Captain, I cannot concur. Repeat my command. Sir, we don't know what this message means. Our target package could have changed. You repeat this order or I'll find somebody who will. Oh, no, you won't, sir. You're relieved to your position. Cobb, remove Mr. Hunter from the control room. Get no, Lieutenant sir. Zimmern no, here right sir. now. No, sir. I do not concur, and I do not recognize your authority to relieve me under command under Navy regulations. Cobb, arrest this man Captain and get him out of here. Under operating procedures governing the release of nuclear weapons, we cannot launch our missiles unless both you and I agree. Cobb, now, what are you waiting for? Authority, sir. This is expressly why your command must be repeated. It requires my assent. I do not give it. And furthermore, you continue upon this course and insist upon this launch without confirming this message Stop. first. Bitch. I will be Chief forced. Back by the rules of precedent, Captain Commanding Officer, regulations. I order you to place the XO under arrest under charge of Navy regulations. I say again, I order you to place the XO under arrest under charge of mutiny. Cop! Captain, please, the XO is right. We can't launch unless he concurs. Welcome to uh, another episode of Dude and the Monkey. Uh, it's episode 97, and I'm steering the ship this week. My name's Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... Mark Foster. Hello, guys. Oh, hello. Uh, okay, so we've got um, quite a, a packed show with not a lot of time today, thanks to uh, Mark's um, uh, apparently not exactly right laptop, not exactly bought to, uh, delivered to specification laptop, causing him shit, and... Uh, and Skype apparently just not playing with Windows at all, despite the fact it's owned by Microsoft. Mark's <laughs> yeah. um, had to restart his computer, I think, once or twice. I'm on my tablet, so we're uh, we're doing well. But um, this week we are going to do. Um, I'm thinking probably we'll start with uh, Alex Garland's directorial debut, Ex Machina, first. Yep. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. 
Cool. Uh, we'll then um, just very quickly go through some, uh, like, whilst we've been watching generally kind of stuff. Um, we'll then uh, do a review of JC Chandor's new film, The Most Violent Year, which didn't make the UK top 10 this weekend, which is, uh, I'm a little bit surprised by that. And um, then we will get into the next part of Ian and Mark Drag, uh, Werner Herzog Up a Mountain, as we take on his remake of Nosferatu. It's Nosferatu the Vampire. Um,. Mark, anything to uh, get into, or do you just want to get on with it? No, I, I, I say we should get on with it. I think the, the, one of the big news has been kind of the casting of the Ghostbusters, but we have a question about that later on. I'm just going to say, who gives a fuck that they're all women, and I like the fact I know, I don't know who two of them are. That actually interests me. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk more. Um, okay, so trailers. Um, there is literally one I can think of that I've watched this week, and it's probably the one that everybody's watched. But, Mark? Uh, I've watched a, a couple. Uh, we'll get to the one that you've watched at last. I watched the uh, the quick teaser for Knock Knock, um, the Keanu Reeves starring uh, Eli Roth-directed movie. Um, interesting because it's Keanu Reeves, and I'm interested in pretty much anything he does, uh, but not interested because it's Eli off because I couldn't give a fuck about anything he does. Um, so, yeah. Um, guy who's in on his own, knock at the door, it's two attractive girls who come in and start telling him about how amazing his life is and everything like that and how wonderful he is, and then it would seem that he ends up fucking them both, and then shit goes wrong. Yeah. yeah uh, so, I expect usual fucking frat boy nonsense from Eli Roth on that one. Uh, the uh, the D U double F or uh, the designated uh, I think it's like uh, designated ugly fat friend I think is what it stands for Oh, uh, right. And I got my hyper in the trailer and went, why am I watching this? And turned it off, which is about all I've got to say about that. Uh, also, as well, it looks like one of those uh, set in a high school where everybody looks about 30 uh, films. Uh, Child 44, uh, the Gary Oldman, Tom Hardy, uh, Numera Pace, set in Soviet era just after the war. Um, and uh, Tom Hardy plays uh, a, a, essentially like an investigator investigating a child murderer. Looks quite interesting uh, and very accenting. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is the Fantastic Four, which I'm guessing is the one that you were meaning. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, it looks a little bit. <sighs> yeah, pretty much. I like. The, 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 the filmmakers interest me, and uh, like apparently Philip Glass is scoring it, which is yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like that stuff is interesting, and I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it in a way not being as day glow and TV ish as the fir- as those first two films were, um, but there's nothing in this teaser that really grabs me at all and I understand that it's good that it's a teaser that teases but I'd like a teaser with one money shot I mean like you look at um, the teaser for Inception I think they didn't have that that have the like the Paris street kind of folding in on itself or at least like yeah. starting to in the teaser like you want you just want something like that that's a discussion point you know yeah, they to discuss about this teaser even though we are yeah, it's one of those things. It just 
I mean, I don't know how far they are in, in post-prod uh, of it. Maybe there isn't any... They, they haven't finished any scenes that they wanted to show us. Uh, but it does seem a little bit... A little bit meh. I just I got to the end of it and I thought, right, I, uh, I, I'm not even sure which one's which, uh, I'll be completely honest. Um, because yeah, I've forgotten... I... <laughs> between Jamie Bell and Miles Teller at points, I, I was a little bit which one's this now, but obviously once Jamie Bell turns into the thing that won't be a problem, but it's so, only so started that way Yeah, so I, I'm just a little bit uh, I, I, you know I, I hope it's good because you never hope any film's bad, but it, it when I heard they were rebooting the Fantastic Four, I didn't think, oh, oh, I'm interested in that. And then when I saw the trailer, it didn't make me again go, oh, now I'm interested. So I'm still, meh. You know, Miles Teller's, you know, usually pretty good in most stuff he does, to be honest. Uh, so that has me vaguely interested, but it just looks a little bit like a, a stock film from those people now. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, it, it, it's coming out in August. It might be one to kind of surprise in late summer. We'll, you know, I mean, again, the filmmakers excite me. Just that teaser did nothing for me, but all power to you if it did something. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. You know, I'm not, I, it wasn't shit, and it didn't make me go, "Well, that looks like crap." It just made me go, "Yeah, oh, I don't." Well, I, I know exactly the same amount as I knew before it started. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, I just forgot I was leading the show there. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, okay, we'll move on, and uh, we can get into um, Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Uh, obviously, this isn't out in the US yet, so um, we do go all spoilers all the time. Um, there is some spoilery stuff in here, I would say, so, you know, if, if you might want to skip this if you haven't seen it. If you have, here's a clip and we'll get into it. Same way we look at fossils. Hello. How do you feel about her? Oh man, she's amazing. You're impressed. <laughs> yes. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Now the question is, how does she feel about you? Do you think about me when we are together? Did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? This is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Bye. Did you know that I was brought here to test you? <laughs> Does Ava actually like you? Or is she pretending to like you? Nathan, isn't your friend I'm wrong? Wrong about what? Everything. Do you want to be with me? Can we talk about the lies you've been spinning me? What lies? What lies? You have to help me. You have to help me. What will happen to me if I fail your test? 
Uh, okay, so Ex Machina is written and directed by Alex Garland and stars uh, Donald Gleeson, um, uh, Alicia Vikander, and Oscar Isaac. Um, story is Donald Gleeson uh, works for a uh, company, Blue Book, that's essentially the Google of this world, uh, wins uh, a trip to basically spend a week with uh, the site's reclusive owner, played by Oscar Isaac. Um, when he gets there, he finds out that he is also there to help him with a test uh, to try and, uh, and basically do a, a, a skewing of the Turing test to determine whether an AI that um, Isaac's character has created uh, is um, has a consciousness, the AI being played by Alicia Vikander. Uh, Ex Machina, Mark, um, what, what did you think? Um... <sighs> I like the way it starts um, straight away. It, it essentially it drops us right in it. Um, as to With say, if the film starting, he's being thrown to the guy's place. Yeah, yeah, and, and and so what all we get is literally a shot of him, and we know straight away. Right, he has seemingly won a competition uh, through a random staff lottery, and then we find out that that competition it is for him to go and spend a week with the company's owner, uh, who is quite clearly a recluse. Um, and there you go. And that's it, and then we're dropped right into it. So we know straight away that this is pretty much going to be it. We're going to spend the majority of our time with these three or four characters for the rest of the actual film. I thought that worked quite well. There wasn't too much kind of setup. It was, look, this is what's happening. Bang, there you go. Um, and it, from there, it, it built up some interesting sort of ideas. It looked nice uh, at points, but. I got this feeling that it was kind of building to an inevitable conclusion. Yeah. And although I was enjoying it all along, along the way to start off with, I, I got to the point of where I started going, this is hitting every beat that you expected it to hit. And as it goes along, it's kind of... when you It falls into the trap that you get where essentially you're having two characters, one of whom is supposed to be exceptionally intelligent um, and the other one's supposed to be maybe not as intelligent but uh, is supposed to be of a high level of intelligence and it started getting stupider as the film went along um, and Oscar Isaac's character Nathan sort of, as it went along, I stopped thinking that he owned essentially like a a super Google, uh, and started. He started seeming more like uh, somebody who'd set up a girls gone wild website that had gone massive, and it, it just started to get a little bit. Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd pretty much go with that. I liked the film. Um, I, I, I did. I mean, like from a technical point of view, I think it's spot on. The score is great. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I mean the cinematography is good, the production design is good. I like how sparse it all is, and um, I, I think there are kind of standout scenes. But I agree, the the sense of kind of going through the motions with what you expect, expect with this type of um, with this type of plot um, was very much there. And it, I, I enjoyed the first half more where they were talking about the concepts and. Um, 
uh, you know, just theorising and giving up ideas and opinions and things like that, both the uh, the two guys and also Alicia Vikander's um, character. Mm. But, um, you know, the second half does get more plotty. It does get more kind of twisty-turny. And the film... But then it basically ended on a note where I kind of thought Alex Garland needs to, like, either get laid or wank more. Um, there's a scene at the end of Alicia Vikander, and the thing is, I can't remember any of the fucking characters' names, which maybe says something. Um, uh, it's Nathan. Arthur Scott's Nathan, and Donald Gleeson was Caleb. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, yeah, it just... I, I, I don't know. They're, they just don't have too much to them. Um, yeah, it, there's a scene towards the end of Alicia Vikander. It basically, like, she assembles a kind of human-looking body out, uh, out of parts from other robots, and mm. she's standing there looking at herself naked. And I felt a little bit perved out by it. Well, I, I actually, uh, I'll be honest, during that scene, by that point, I'll, I'll be honest, it had, and I didn't, I didn't dislike Ex Machina, but by that point, it had lost me. By that point. So I was in full kind of snark mode. And there's a moment earlier where Donald Gleeson approaches, and we are, remember guys, we are all spoilers all the time, so we're going right into spoiler territory here, uh, where he says to Oscar Isaac's character, did you build her based on my porn profile? Yeah. Um, and I turn on to Becky when when you've got Alicia Vikander just stood admiring herself and, and kind of putting the bits on herself in the mirror. Uh, I turned around and said, hang on a minute, was Donald Gleeson's porn profile prepubescent girls? Oh, well, that's what I mean. Uh, um, she's, 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 I mean, she's a very pretty girl, but she, from the rear, is shaped like a 15-year-old. <laughs> there is no definition to that woman at all. Actually, that's a definition. Yeah, I, it, I don't know. It just—it wasn't a mean thing. It was more of a, a jokey, snarky comment rather than a mean comment. Sure, sure. No, I mean, it, yeah, but it just—I don't know. By that time, it kind of turned into right. This is what Garland's interested in, is it? And I get the the the, the kind of the, the the metaphorical, like like she's almost like a newborn staring, like staring at herself, and she's never seen. This before she's been programmed to be aware of her sexuality and to use her sexuality so then she looks in the mirror and it it, it all felt a little bit like it, it felt a little bit confused in itself to the same point of, of where you had Oscar Isaacs uh, once she got out of that room his first point of call was to I need to grab something that I can smash it with and it's a bit like hang on a minute He's created all these different versions of it, these, these prototypes. He's quite clearly deeply paranoid and reclusive. That's why he lives hours away from anything at all. But he hasn't fitted a failsafe, some kind of kill switch that he's got or anything like that. I'm yeah, that's, sorry, that's... that just seems a little bit... You know, I, it just felt a little bit... Really? Are we gonna go? Are we gonna go at this bit where he has to kill his creation? Yeah. No. I. I. I th yeah. I think that's that's a fair point. It just. 
I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I suppose the, the kill switch thing is a good point, but I suppose like he was aware that she absolutely hated him, and if she got a chance, she probably would murder him. But then you do have to think, why doesn't he switch her off and put something in her where her head will blow up if he presses a button or yeah, something like exactly, that? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or there's a word that he says that powers her down, or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, th- I'm sorry. These are things that that a man of that intelligence doing what he's doing and all of that would have thought of. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I would also say as well, I think I didn't quite get the, like, him drinking heavily thing. Like, was that supposed to be, a, like, a trick or No, I think, I, I think that was just, just, just him. I think it, I, I, it's, I didn't, I didn't get it, but it didn't bother me that much, but I didn't quite get the reasoning for it. Yeah, it's just, like, I don't know, like, he's constantly drinking, and it's just like, okay, well... Yeah, I, I I don't get the association between being isolated and like just constantly drinking booze. It's yeah. like I don't know. It's like they're, they're they're trying to create this kind of like Colonel Kurtz like figure almost. Mm, but say oh, yeah. it, it does feel like it's a guy who ran a, like an exploitation website. And he, now he's just hanging out with his robo bitches, like drinking beer and eating pizza or something. Yeah. I, it, 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 there, there's a conflict of character within Oscar Isaac, I think. Even though, I mean, I think he himself is very good. He's got the charismatic thing, but at the same time, the the unnerving, like every now and then, he kind of like reveals a bit of himself, kind of thing. There. Yeah, I, I like the fact that the Oscar Isaacs are and, and Garland uh, kind of they play it so that. He's not an awkward reclusive. Uh, you can tell the idea that he's become recluse to, 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 to just to work, but because he's not socially unaware, he's just a bit of a dick. And, and that's it. And I think he's intentionally a bit of a dick. He's not somebody who just happens to not understand the social parameters of how things, you know, you know, work and everything like that. He's quite well aware of how he's supposed to interact socially. He just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, but I mean, again, though, I mean, the, the some of the concepts there are interesting. I liked his. Um, uh, his thing about search engines and how his became the biggest because others were focused on monetizing things and his was kind of concentrating on what people mm. want and feel and like their aspirations and, and like how he kind of taps into that. You know, the thing is, the first half of this film for me is like five out of five stuff. I love the initial uh, meetings between Gleason and Vikander and, and his. Uh, Gleason's conversations with Isaac but then the second half of the film where it it turns into generic sci-fi revenge against the master plot I Mm. think is like two and a half three out of five yeah I was was maybe at like a a three and a half four for the first half and then maybe dip down to like you said two and a half three for the second half Um, it, it just I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I, I watched it, uh, I ended up watching it at a real cinema, um, rather than uh, a view or city screen. Um, and watched it in their screen three, which their screen three is tiny, it holds about 30 people, and it's not a big screen, we'll say. <laughs> um, you know, th- there are probably people who've got projectors in their house bigger than this. Um, 
but it, it felt quite cinematic. I liked the way it looked. I liked the the kind of the design of it all. But I, I did always feel that it was just it, it was it was never quite as smart as it was saying it was. And I always get the feeling that it was getting dumber as it went along. One of my favourite scenes in it... The second half is very dumbed down compared to what's on in the first half. Mm. Which, which, um, it's basically, the turning point for me is when the power cut happens and she says, don't trust him. it, it 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 was a little bit after for me on that. I was still with it past that. Or maybe, okay, after, no, after Oscar Isaac doing the creepy disco dancing. Which which for me was the highlight of the movie. Yeah, which was awesome. Which was brilliant. Not expecting that at all, and then he breaks that out. And that is a good summation of, yeah, this guy's not fucking right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's awesome. Also as well is, one thing I did think was, the, the, the Kyoko character, right, was so obviously a um, w- was so obviously an AI from her first scene. Oh, she doesn't yeah. understand anything you're saying. Yeah, I it, can do all, all this shit in front of her. Of course, she's a fucking yeah, robot. Yeah, of course, she's, she's an AI. But I don't think that Garland Garland's too. He's too clever a guy, and he's too clever a writer. Um, and you know, by virtue of the way the style of this, he's actually not a bad director. It's a well, it's a decently directed movie. So it, 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 he, he isn't trying to, to hide that, is he? He's. I think he he's absolutely saying to the audience, "Look, she's an AI." But why doesn't Donald Gleason's character immediately think, "Ah, wait a minute, <laughs> mm, maybe, maybe she's an AI." Mm. It's just I, I, I don't know. I mean, and again, I mean, like Alicia Vikander, she's she's very good at what she's doing here. She's got that again. She's got the ambiguous. You're not too sure about a thing. And I like that in the end, she's not evil. She just, you know, she is playing them. But it, it you know, it's not because she wants to conquer the world or anything. She just wants to live her robot life. Yeah. You know, she she didn't have to lock him in the room, did she? <laughs> well, no, but again, she's, I mean, she's using him, you know, it's like, like he wants the fairy tale of en- ending of, like, just going away with her and shagging his robo-bitch, and, you know, she's going off on her own, you know, I mean, it, it's, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think any feminist would have a particular problem with that ending at all. You know, it's uh, like... Feminists have problems with anything. Oh, well, I didn't say that, but, um... <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I thought she was, she was very good in it. Just, um, just say, if there are any feminists listening, that's a, that's a stereotypical joke. I'm not actually meaning that, so please don't fucking write in. Don't, because I, I won't read it. Okay, so I'm ready to wrap up on that. Uh, I yeah, I I enjoyed it for the most part. I just think that ultimately it goes exactly where you expect this type of film to go, and it once it got to the once it got to the point of where I think the, the, the second power cut happens and he says, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to get you out of here." That's where it went off a fucking cliff for me. 
Oh, well, it, yeah, no, I mean, from, yeah, from there it definitely went appreciably bad as well. But, I mean, de- de- yeah, de- definitely not shit. Um, I won't lie, I was disappointed. I mean, like, the guy wrote my favourite film of all time. So, you know, I like to just be like, yeah, that was good. It, it, it is disappointing to me. But um, I certainly did not hate it, hey. So, sure. they Cool. Okay, so uh, we will move on and um, sod it. Let's just go straight into um, what, what, what else have you been watching, Mark? Uh, what else have I been watching? Uh, I watched on Saturday night uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, uh, okay. get on it. Yeah. The, uh, the absolute massively extended cut. Um, and I mentioned to him that I was watching this, uh, and mentioned to him that the last time I actually watched this film was on VHS. Uh, because I, I, the reason for that is, is there's been talks about this uh, extended um, 251 minute cut for for years and years and years and years so I never bothered buying it on DVD because I just assumed that the minute I bought it the next they'd announced that they were releasing this fully director's extended cut would come out and I'd have to buy it again and watching something like Once Upon a Time in America is an absolute commitment um, because even the standard version is you know it's just shy of four hours long Um, so to go for for that and and the thing is remembering back on it I remember it being quite a it's quite a tough watch there's a lot goes on in Once Upon a Time in America it's not a very pleasant movie um, so, I recently got the the steelbook that has the 251 minute cut on it, um, and set about watching it. Started watching, wanted to watch it all in, in one sitting, which we did. Um, and it is quite simply. Um, and what what's interesting is they've taken the extended cut, which has been around for a while, and then they've added in the extra sort of six minutes uh, worth of uh, footage. But there is actually a, a card that comes up at the beginning that essentially says, look, this is raw footage that hasn't been cleaned up. We've cleaned it up as much as we can, but there's a noticeable difference. And what I'll say is this film looks spectacular on Blu-ray. But there is a no... You can quite easily notice those six minutes. Quite yeah. easily. Um, which it, which isn't a problem, but... Um, yeah, it's... One thing that, I, that, that, that grasped me straight away is how incredibly rich this movie is in terms of... It's complete total look. I mean, it, it took it, it took Sergio Leone uh, years to make. And for for those who don't know, Once Upon a Time in America, um, it's the it's a sweeping story that runs from the twenties to the sixties through sort of flashbacks, um, and it, it's told essentially the story of a group of young kids uh, who start out in, um, in sort of the Jewish ghettos um, of Manhattan. And then they move up the the chain um, to becoming, you know, quite prominent bootleggers and gangsters. And then something happens and one of them, and this happens at the beginning, one of them ends up going away. Um, Daenerys' character Noodles ends up going away because the other three have have been killed in seemingly a, a job gone wrong. And then 
the the rest of the film is De Niro coming back um, for the first time to Manhattan and trying to work out who's sending him this letter essentially and then it runs through like, flashbacks of what's happened for them when they were kids what happened to them older and De Niro trying to track down what's going on now and it, it all kind of interconnects in but it took years from conception to actually being finished but you can see every single point of every single frame Leone has something going on and it is just incredible that he's managed to create these little time capsules uh, of, you know, of 20s ghettos in New York to 60s, early 60s New York to 50s New York. And it just looks incredible. And there was a point where we um, paused to go and get a drink and came again, sat down and I sort of said to Becky, said, how long do you think we've been watching this? And she said, about about half an hour 35 minutes 40 minutes and I said we've been watching it for nearly two hours wow and we were nearly two hours in and honestly it had just gone by just in a flash because it's just so brilliant and it is achingly beautiful uh, as a film to watch but then it's peppered with these incredibly violent uh, and nasty um, sort of scenes. I mean, there are a couple of quite, you know, disturbing rape scenes in it. Um, there's a lot of quite horrible violence in it, and the characters, none of them are, are likeable. These aren't... These now become lovable rogues or anything like that. They are just nasty pieces of work. Uh, and that is sort of prevalent throughout. Uh, and they never, certainly never tries to give them a hint of sort of humanity or niceness. They are, from the beginning, really deplorable characters. Yet you can't stop watching them because it's just so incredibly, wonderfully done. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'll say is, 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 I would absolutely recommend it. if you're into crime movies, gangster movies, or anything like that. Please pick up the, the full version of this and give it a give it a crack. It is one you can easily watch. You don't have to watch it in, in one sitting. You could easily watch it over a couple of sittings because there are real right stop, stop. Well, shit, there's an interchange, isn't there? No, there is, yeah. Um, But there are points where you could easily go, right, this is a good point to go, I've watched an hour and a half now, stop. I've watched an hour and a half now, stop. I've watched an hour and a half now, stop. Yeah. Yeah, also, it's worth saying as well, um, I spotted on Hot UK Deals earlier on, it's Sydney 3 for 20 or 5 for 30 in HMV now as well, apparently. Oh, that's well worth a a pick-up. Yeah. yeah, if I um, if I didn't just buy Shadow of Mordor on the PlayStation, I'd probably be doing that. But um, that was twenty eight quid gone, so I've got to get through that. Yeah, uh, no, it's it, like I say, it, it is magnificent, and it, it, I think if this film was an hour shorter, it wouldn't be anywhere near as good. But it would probably get a lot more fucking attention. I yeah. think it's quite a daunting task for people to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I. Um, I watched the Blu-ray a couple of years back, and I've, I've actually got the Blu-ray in that um, De Niro collection that oh, came yeah. out. Um, got like a tenner, and it was like Heat, Goodfellas, The Mission, Once Upon a Time in America. That's good watching, that mm. is. But, um, yeah, no, I, I need to watch the extended director's cut. It's um, 
one I'm kind of waiting to actually have the time to, like you say it is a daunting one to, but to have the time to actually watch it again maybe in 18 years <laughs> yeah but yeah it, 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 it's utterly spectacular go nice on then Ian what have you been what, what have you been watching I'll let you do one now uh, yeah, I, well, I'll just barrel through. It's fine. Um, I watched John Wick, um, which um, everybody's been creaming their cheese over. Um, I liked it, man. I mean, it's I, I'm not quite on it as uh, as much as uh, many are, but I really like the world building. I'd, I'd watch a sequel primarily set in that hotel uh, with Lance Reddick as the uh, as the fucking clerk. That was I, I love that shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it, it is just like it's a very, very good action film. But there's barely anything else to it. But it is what it is, and I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I, I'd probably buy it when it's cheap. Um, I, I, can I, I'll just quickly say as well, I watched John Wick and absolutely loved every second of it. I thought it was fantastic. Wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, yeah. It's completely. I thoroughly enjoyed watching, uh, as you had, um, him with the sledgehammer, um, smashing through the floor as, um, what's his name, explaining who John Wick is. I thought that was magnificent. Yeah, that was pretty badass, actually. I also liked his, uh, the, the one moment where he loses it vocally when he's, um, tied up on that, in that chair. Yeah. Uh, uh, talking about how um, he, he, he's like, you ripped the heart out of me! Or something yeah. like that. You know, like that, was, that was actually genuinely pretty good. Um, did, did you see, actually, yeah. recently, in an, in an online poll recently, to um, to decide the cutest ever puppy? Uh, it, it's the cutest ever animal in movies. Uh, they had all these options, and then they had other. Um, and other won, and it was the puppy from John Wick that won it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, a cute, it's a cute dog. It's barely on screen, but it's a cute dog. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's John Wick. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I was pretty fucking hammered while watching this, actually. Um, and I, I kind of enjoyed it, but it could have just been because I was hammered. Um, I mean, it's dumb. Um, it, it kind of, like, outstays its welcome, I think. But I enjoyed the interactions between the turtles. And, um, I don't know, I thought the action was alright, so, hey, what do you know? Um, uh, uh, I rewatched Pacific Rim, uh, which I, I just, it gets better and better on every viewing for me, that film. I've watched it three times now, and that fuck, it just, I could watch that film all day. It's pure entertainment. Yeah. That, that, that is what, what, for me, what Pacific Rim is. It is pure switch off. Pure entertainment. It is. I like you. Every time I watch it, I go, "This is fucking great." Yeah, totally, man. Um, yeah, so abs- absolutely. Um, so yeah, um, uh, Pacific Rim, just great fucking film. And I think that might be it. I kind of think I watched something else, but I can't remember for the life of me what it was. So uh, never mind. I'll just move back to you. Uh, what, what, now the, the only other thing I watched uh, is something that we're going to cover uh, next week, so I shall, okay. I shall not now. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll move on. We'll have a clip from JC Chandor's A Most Violent Year, and when we come back, we'll get into it. I understand you and your 
men have a job to do here, but we're in the middle of a 10-year-old's birthday party. And I'm sorry, but we are coming in. That's not a problem. We have nothing to hide from you. My husband is a good man. Don't mistake his honesty for weakness. He deserves respect. This was very disrespectful. I run a fair and clean business, and I will fight to my last breath to prove that. These are dangerous times, and we have to adapt. It's not like when we was driving. There were more murders and rapes in this city last year than there have ever been. So if you come to tell me that we have an urgent security issue here, trust me, I'm aware. This can't continue. You're at war here. It's been two years since you started investigating my industry. Do you have any idea who's been doing this to us? Or you may be doing something to bring this on yourself. I have always taken the path that is most right. The result is never in question for me. Just what path do you take to get there? Where did you get that? Your youngest daughter found it in the bushes outside her front door. It's not a brick through a car window. This is your kid playing with a loaded gun. Katie! The DA's coming down with a 14-count indictment. We've just pushed it a little too far, that's all. Can't have this situation continuing. If one of these guys shoots someone, it will be the end of everything that we have worked for. You now have serious legal cases against you, ranging from fraud to tax evasion. It wasn't your good luck helping you out all these years. It was me. I don't want anything to do with this. When it feels scary to jump, that is exactly when you jump. Otherwise, you end up staying in the same place your whole life. And that I can't do. Okay, so a most violent year is directed by uh, JC Chandor and stars Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain, Albert Brooks, Alessandro Nivola, um, and others. Um, they, they were the main ones, really, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, and David Oyelowo. David David Oyelowo. Oyelowo. Uh, oh yeah, low work. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, sorry, but um, yeah, he, um, and he's he's there as well. Uh, story is uh, Oscar Isaac plays a heating oil baron who is muscling his way through his competition and is looking to close a deal for a formidable bit of property, which will really put him on the map and give him political power as well. Uh, however, things start to go wrong. His drivers are getting uh, their trucks stolen and beaten up by uh, mysterious men, and David Oyelowo is a um, district attorney who is on Oscar Isaac's ass, and Jessica Chastain is his gangster's daughter, a gangster, a gangster's daughter, daughter, it's fucking hell, who um, is married to Oscar Isaac and basically wants to uh, do things the old school way. Oscar Isaac faces a moral uh, dilemma as he tries to uh, stop himself from uh, being willing to go the mobster kind of way. The most violent year, Mark? I'm let you go first on this one. Since as as I went first on Ex Machina, I'll let you go first on this one. All right, so thank you. Um, 
I really, really fucking enjoyed this. Um, very, very old school feel. Uh, both like the cinematography. The cinematography feels kind of stark and kind of um, somewhat gritty. And uh, it, it's, it, it, I don't know, it's got that it, it kind of, um, not not Godfather look, but a very Sydney uh, Lummet look, which, you know, it, it, it's, this is a very Sydney Lummet film as well. But, I mean, the score by Alex Ebert feels um, very old school as well. It feels like a film from a different time, and mm. it feels like one of those films that we're being told can't be made anymore. These kind of, like, mid-budget, serious films that be an Oscar botherer but doesn't have to be, just wants to tell an adult story and tell it well. So... Of course it doesn't chart in the UK top ten in its opening weekend. Of course it fucking doesn't. Just, it's I, I, I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that it wasn't playing in a lot of places, to be honest. I, I don't know. It played at like 200 and something screens. That's fair wide. Did it? I, 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 I've had a lot of people sort of... I've seen a lot of people commenting that it's 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 not... That they can't just... It's not on near them. I think it's playing in quite a lot of inner-city cinemas and maybe not out in the suburbs. Mm. Um, I mean, because like a wide release, like a really wide release in the UK is like 300 screens or up. Mm. And this was maybe like high 100s, low 200s. I read it today and I can't remember what the screen count was for the life of me. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like Jessica Chastain has been um, doing the talk show rounds promoting it. And, um, um, I mean, JC Chandler has been appearing on things and um, it just didn't quite seem to strike. I mean, it doesn't help that it's, it hasn't had a lot of awards nominations as well. Um, even though I think it was named uh, as a, one of AFI's uh, Film of the Year's, Films of the Year. I think National Board of Review gave it a film of the, uh, one of the Film of the Year prizes as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I, I just... I loved the character drama in this. Um, I think Oscar Isaac is bloody fantastic here. Um, it is a little bit Al Pacino in The Godfather 1 in terms of kind of like his styling and his personality and his arc. Um, but I, I just, I loved how determined he was to not go down that route and how it's basically, it's like the world cajoling him into doing it. It's almost like the world is the devil on his shoulder. Um, and it's, uh, I, I don't know, I think it's fascinating. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I was a big fan, but I, I, I could ramble. So, Mark, go on. Yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's a funny one, uh, right yeah. I, I enjoyed it to a point, but when it finished, I... I mean, I'll get into to, to one of my issues with the end in, in a second. But when it finished, I thought that if you trim away a little bit of a little bit of it, which you quite easily could have trimmed away parts of it uh, and still had the same fucking story, um, would have been a great pilot for what would have been a great TV show. But oh. it isn't. It's a film. Um, and I just felt it, it a little bit it kind of seemed to be going somewhere and then went nowhere. Um, and no, I, I liked it. I, I, like... I, I have no problem with, with films with films that don't... What is it? But this built and built and built and built and built and built and I thought, oh, this is building, it's building, it's building. And then it just went... I was like, well, that, that was it. Fucking really? Could you not think of a fucking ending? You won't know. The ending is basically... 
Oscar Isaac give like having to give in to everything he's been not wanting to do for the whole thing, and like the the exchange between him and Oyelowo uh, is incredible. I think just like. Just, like, I mean, because every single character in this film is out for themselves in some way. Yeah, but, um, but for me, that just felt a little bit like, swag on a minute, he's been chasing him for all these years and doing all that, and then as soon as it gets to the end, in, in one little ending, he's like, all right, we need to sort this out. Yeah, well, you know, you, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Oh, fuck, is that it? That's it? All right, yeah, fine. The, the moral decline of Isaac's character... It's, but I, I don't think his moral standpoint changes from the start at the end I, until the end. I, don't, I, 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 I didn't see it like, at all. He's had, but he's had, to, he's had to give in to get that piece of land. Yeah, but he's and, still... He's, he's, he's had to, he's had to I, bend his rules, but he's still not completely given in, I wouldn't say. I don't, I don't know, man. He's, he's, the, the thing is, I mean, like he is a rock at the start. And he is much less of a rock by the end. You know, I mean, he basically lets that guy shoot, kill himself because he knows that having that guy around is going to cause him more bother than it's worth. Yeah, I, um, I didn't read it as that. I read that as I'd prefer him to kill himself than to kill me. Sorry? I read it as I'd prefer him to kill himself. At least if he's killing himself, he ain't killing me. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, you can certainly read it like that. I mean, like the fact that he's killing himself on this piece of land, this guy who wanted to be Oscar Isaac is unable to do it, so he kills himself on the piece of land that Isaac has just had to morally corrupt himself to get. I think I, I think that's a fucking fantastic, almost like Shakespearean ending. I, I just... It felt a little. It felt incredibly limp to me, to be honest. I was sat there thinking when he came out with the with the gun. As the first time I saw Jennifer Lawrence's boobs, uh, I I I thought that I was sat there, and when he the guy uh, what's his name um, Julian comes out with the gun, at that point I was like I, I was still on board with it. I was still liking it, and I was like right. If he shoots Oscar Isaacs now, this film is bullshit. And then he did He shot himself, and I thought, that in a way is worse <laughs> than him shooting Oscar Isaacs. And it, yeah. it is, I, it just, it, it fell flat for me, and I was really, really looking forward to this. And, as well, as a side note, the title makes no sense. It... Well, it's it was. A, it's not set over a year. B, the fact that it happened to be a really violent year in New York's history has nothing to do with the movie at all. So there's an atmosphere of paranoia and unease and the sense that something sudden and extreme could happen throughout the whole film, I think. I mean, the moments of violence in it are. That, like just kind of come out, almost come out of nowhere, and uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I, we, we are, we are at opposite ends on this one. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it, it was, it was well acted uh, by Isaacs. Jessica Chastain has fuck all to do in it at all. Um, oh, but the things that she does do are brilliant, though. That's just, 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 my God! I done well. They're not. I mean, and I, I think Justin's a brilliant actress, but it, she's she's 
almost seems kind of incidental in this. It just... Batman, she's the fucking Lady Macbeth, dude. Oh, like... bullshit. She's nowhere near the Lady Macbeth. Yeah, that... man, she's the one who's kind of, like, whispering in his ear and trying to get him to succumb and whatnot. Uh, you know, I mean, that, like... That's, that's probably what Chando was going for, but it, it just... It, it felt a little bit reaching for that. The scene where she shouts him is as powerful a sex as power scene as Amy Adams in The Master giving Philip Seymour Hoffman that blowy... You know, it just, you know, like, I, I, oh, nah, you're wrong. Nah, I, 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 I've seen, it's, it's, it's felt limp a little bit, just not quite there. It looked nice, it was well acted, but the story just felt like it was, it never quite went anywhere. It, it went, it went, it went far enough for me, man. I went all the way. If mm. I was on a full state with this film, I'd be, I'd be shagging it by like three hours in. If I was on a first date with this movie, I'd have left and never called it back. Oh, I, 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 I hate to say it because I was really looking forward to it. I like everyone involved. It just didn't do it for me. Ah, oh, nah, wrong. <laughs> I can see why it didn't get nominated for stuff. Wrong. And I can see why it didn't get in the top ten. Because the Academy likes nominating American Sniper. It's better than American Sniper, yeah. It is better than American Sniper. But it's probably better than The Theory of Everything. It's probably better than The Imitation Game. But is is it as good as it thinks it is, or is it pretending to be? No, it's not. Yeah. No, I have to... Uh, well, we actually... Do, uh, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm touching cloth with it. I'm, I, it's oh. definitely not shit. My I'm touching God. cloth. My God, man. Do, you, you can't just make a film trying to make a film be like other films and expect it to be great. It's got more than enough on its own fucking steam, bud. Don't agree. Don't agree. <sighs> No, all right, no. Oscar Isaac is bloody brilliant. He's very good, but but he, he, he has, he, he's, like you said yourself, he's aping a lot of Al Pacino in The Godfather. Sure. Yeah. What else you got? What else we got? I, I, for me, it just didn't work. There's, there's, there's not enough story there. There's plenty enough story. Oh, they get hijacked. My drivers get hijacked. Oh, another one of my drivers gets hijacked. Oh, he gets hijacked again. Right, we get it. Your drivers are getting hijacked. We don't know who it is. Is it these guys? It turns out it's nobody. It's just two random guys. Yeah, and so what could that represent? Could it, I mean, could it actually be one of these guys? Or could it be... But it never explores that. It never explores that it could actually be one of those guys. It almost says it's not those guys. It's just two random guys. No, he says I don't work for... He says I don't work for anyone. I don't think it's two random guys. Who do they work for then? Who do they work for? No, I... Well, this this is my reading of the film... Right. I I think it's almost an ephemeral. This is like some sort of weird 
karmic world reaction trying to push Oscar Isaac over the edge. Everything in this film, every single person in this film is trying to push Oscar Isaac over the edge. And I think all of that is a metaphor for the world, everything trying to get him to turn bad. So they're karma. Karma was controlling these guys to go and rob his vans. They, they represent it. Mm, it just... It didn't work for me. There's just so many more interesting places you could have gone with that idea than, than just nowhere. I was, I was more than interested enough throughout watching this film. I was I was on the edge of my fucking seat throughout. I like seriously. I was obviously I was a really big fan. But the thing is, I still only gave it four point five out of five on Letterboxd. And why? Yeah, Jessica Chastain is a little bit underused, even though I think she's very, very good in every she's, single... She's, she's very good, but she's she's very underused. Yes, but, but what she does in there, I think she's very good at. And also, I will say, your point about the, oh, I've been hijacked, oh, I've been hijacked again, I thought it was a little bit, really, that that one guy, his first... Yeah. His first point, a job after coming out of uh, hospital and going back to work... He gets hijacked. Even though I liked what that kind of did for his character, just the fact that his character constantly just ran, I, I did like that, but I thought the, the it could have been like a week later. He could have got a couple of jobs under his belt, maybe felt a little bit safer before it happened. Instead, no, it happened straight away. I'll admit, that's not perfect, but they are definitely not shit. Let's let's move on because I I, I think we're not going to convince each other and we've had a good discussion. <laughs> yeah, you get a beer, so definitely not your touching cloth. I'm touching cloth with it, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to get a beer and uh, then we will get into Nosferatu. Cool. What a dick, Mark. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs>
Nosferatu, the vampire, coming from 20th Century Fox. Nosferatu, the vampire, a film unlike any Dracula film ever made. Nosferatu, the vampire. Okay, guys, so we're back and uh, hopefully less argumentative. Uh, <laughs> this one. Uh, so uh, it's the next part of the Mark uh, drag for Herzog Upper Mountain. Uh, we're not going to do one next week uh, because we've only we're probably going to have about four days or so uh, between recordings and. Uh, the next one's Fitzcarraldo, and that's a long old film, and I, I need a bit more time. So, uh, yeah, so uh, this is the last um, one of these for a couple of weeks, and we're going to be doing Nosferatu the Vampire. And it stars Klaus Kinski, Isabel Jani, and Bruno Gans. Uh, story is um, essentially, you know, the, the kind of the classical telling of uh, Dracula, but with some twists. Uh, Jonathan Harker is dispatched to. Um, uh, Count Dracula to uh, Count Dracula to Castle Dracula to uh, meet the Count, um, played by uh, uh, Kla- Klaus Kinski, uh, to close on a, uh, a retail deal, re- realty deal. Is that what they call it? Yeah. A real, real, yeah, a real estate deal. And uh, um, Dracula basically then comes to town and. Uh, wants to suck the neck of um, Lucy, played by Isabella Gianni. Um But he also brings the plague with him, mm. uh, which I believe is a, is a new element. Um, so, yeah, Nosferatu the Vampire. I, I had seen it before, or I'm almost certain Mark had seen it before. Yes, I had indeed, yeah. And uh, how did it hold up for you? Um, it, it was... It was a little bit more... Uh, a little more goofy than I remembered it being. Um... I remember it being a little bit more sort of sort of serious, and I think it's been a good few years since I watched it. Um, but it is a little bit goofy is probably the wrong word, but it's the only word I can think of for it. To be honest, it ends on a goofy note. Yeah, it's that, and it's kind of. One thing that Herzog is, he's actually he's quite playful, and this is quite a playful kind of take on the film, you know. And Klaus Kinski's Dracula is quite... um, He isn't this smooth, sort of suave Dracula or this creepy Dracula. He's almost a little bit of an awkward Dracula um, in that he's just... uh, You know, he's not quite... You know, he's not this great seductor or anything like that. He's, He's just... Dracula. It's it, it just kind of like, literally like a, like a really, really old guy who's just bored and just wants to just get on with shit. Yeah. Um, and there's that. Um, but there's some great, as usual with Herzog, it, it looks great. Um, it, it's, a, it's a playful kind of play on the actual, the proper kind of Dracula story as well. Um, 
and there's there's some great kind of scenes. For instance, the scene with Renfield sat um, with the two orderlies just sat next to him, who are sat holding him, not blinking, yeah. looking straight forward. As um, who is it that plays Renfield? Uh, Roland Topper. Uh, it, it keeps on just doing that manic laughing, and it, it's shifting a bit. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 a really sort of wonderfully bizarre kind of take on the story, and I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Although it, it it quite easily could have lost ten fifteen minutes. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I, I really enjoy this though. Um, it's it's got that weird kind of thing of goofiness. But yeah. why I'm impressed with with this one? I, I didn't really remember this, but like the way it illustrates uh, Nosferatu, uh, well, um, uh, Dracula's effect on his surroundings. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, like the ending, it's this weird kind of apocalyptic, but kind of like a quiet, slow apocalypse. Yeah, like 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 a bit like whole city center. It looked like. Um, That's just, sure. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's great as everything just kind of just crumbles around him. He, he essentially he he is the bringer of death. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. Um, yeah, I mean that 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 one bit where Isabel Jani's kind of walking along and those guys are talking about they're, they're having their last summer and then a uh, supper and then it just cuts to that table just full of rats, mm. you know, and it's it's all kind of like surreal and and, and kind of impressionistic. Um, but then at the same time, you do have the goofiness. Like one the one one shot that struck me was well, I swear. Herzog must have been just walking along with Kinski one night, and he was just like, right, you're in costume, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like, why don't you just, like, run, run around, around. Out and just kind of run all over the place? Well, interestingly, I remember um, seeing an interview years ago, a few years ago, with um, Herzog, and he was talking about Kinski's makeup and stuff like that. And apparently, because Kinski is, it was such a dick... Um, and the makeup took hours to do. They had to find somebody that Kinski could be with for hours and not essentially throw a hissy fit at. Yeah. Um, and they had one guy um, who who could actually who could actually cope with Kinski for that amount of time. And Kinski could actually cope to be around without throwing one of his you know famous hissy fits. But the guy didn't know how to do any of the makeup. So all they did was they taught him how to do the makeup, and then he did Kinski's makeup, but he wasn't very good at it, and he couldn't put the ears on properly. So if you actually look, you actually notice that one of the ears is never quite on right, <laughs> and, and the makeup kind of just changes it on how good it is in different scenes. And it, it's just, it's those type of things that make a Herzog movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, another thing that makes this old film, which I, I, I was fucking crying laughing at this, but it's a weird little thing as well. When Harker's in that pub, um, when he like first arrives in uh, in Transylvania, and there's just a duck walking about. <laughs> There is, there's always just animals walking around in Herzog films. There's, there's a point where there's just a, a, a sheep just trotting through the city centre at one point oh, as well. As well, that is amazing. <laughs> it's, yeah. 
the, the kind of the sense of like you know nature being unwieldy and like chaos ensuing it just it's in a lot of his films and it is here as well um i mean it's not a particularly creepy film there are no jump scares no. whatsoever when like when um dracula does like encounter his victims it's either done off screen or you know it'll just cut to someone in bed and he'll just be there yeah so but um it's it's still it's got a- atmosphere and I like the the kind of the messing about with the the Dracula story as well like the fact that Jonathan is rubbish um, <laughs> you know he like he has his great realization his quest to go and save Lucy and then by the start like you know he, he's trying off on his horse and whatnot and then the, the next scene he's in. He's, he's like arrives in that car and he just looks fucked and he was like right well you're not going to do anything for the rest of the bloody <laughs> film and I'm like, yeah yeah that, that, that's it he's like he gets out of the van like apparently this man belongs to you and he's like who's that woman <laughs> yeah it, it, it yeah he, he, he's just terrible yeah um, you know like, I mean I, I did I did quite like the ending and I would I would have um I would have been interested in the Herzog directed The Further Adventures of Jonathan Harper, the shittiest vampire in the world. Yeah, yeah. It was nice to see the, the old guy from Stroger uh, appear right at the end as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's him, isn't it? With, with the best... <laughs> the best slash worst bit in the film. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, take him to prison. But I don't know how to do that. Where? Yeah. We haven't got a prison. There's nobody left there to watch him. <laughs> it's, just, it's well. I, I don't know how to arrest him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. To, yeah. <laughs> and if you think we're paraphrasing there, we're not. Oh, that's says, yeah, arrest this man. I don't know how to arrest him. <laughs> it's, and then like he goes, I have no arms, and then just kind of like shakes his arms about. <laughs> In a piece of direction. It is, but it, 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 it's so wonderfully um, Herzog and these yeah, are bits that, that are absolutely because with Herzog, I, a lot of people imagine these really kind of twisted and dark art house movies, and they're not at all. He's incredibly playful and has an incredibly tongue in cheek uh, sets the way that he, he looks at things. Yeah, and, and but and and then you combine that with like the um, the kind of the scenes of nature and the score, mm. like that that one piece of music. It was nagging me, but is does Malik use it in the New World? He does indeed. Yes. Yeah, okay, that is totally where I where I recognise that from. And that that I mean, it's just gorgeous music in this film, and uh, with with these the images of decay, it's such a a weird dichotomy, but uh, it's, again, it's all just thoroughly Herzogian, and, you know, if you're going to do remakes, put a fucking stamp on it, and with this and with Bad Lieutenant as well, it's just, they are Herzog films. Yeah, and it's great in the fact that uh, Herzog Herzog made this um, based on, you know, essentially one of of his favourite films. You know, he says that Nosferatu is, is... he says it's the best German movie ever made, um, and it, then he, he jokingly says after it, therefore it's the best movie ever made. But, you know, and he has been asked, is it? Do you think it's the best movie ever made? And he says it might be. Um, yes. And but he hasn't just made like a shot for shot or a story for story remake of it. He's taken the idea and some of the imagery and everything like that, but made a Herzog version of it. And when you counteract that for something like, for instance. Um, 
Peter Jackson making King Kong, mm. he's he's what what Jackson does as did with King Kong was trying to make a better version of his favourite film, and it was pure ego driven. This isn't Herzog having ego. It's just I really like that film, but I'd have done this, and I'd have done this, and I'd have done this, not to make it better, just to make it different. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's a really... I, I still do think it's 20 minutes too long. Um, it does it does meander a little bit. I mean, it's, it's pretty much a full half an hour before Kinski's even on screen. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but it, it's still incredibly watchable. Oh, God, yeah. And also, Isabel Ajani, um, very striking, very European presence. Yes, yeah, she's, she's a very rememberable, and like I said, strike, I think is the perfect way to describe it. Uh, look to her, certainly. Mm-hmm. She, she, I, she, it's, it's a really, really fun watch, this is. Which is surprising, given what it is, but it just is. Yeah, I mean, Isabel Ajani looks like if olive oil had a, break, had a mental breakdown. Good way of putting it, that. Well, like Shelley Duvall not having a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that's fucking terrifying, Shelley Duvall not having a mental breakdown. <laughs> nice. Cool. Definitely not shit. <laughs> definitely, definitely not shit, yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. not shit. Totally enjoyed it. <laughs> All the films in this marathon are just both, are going to be definitely not shits from both of us, to be yeah, honest. They probably are, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but fuck yeah. it. Hey. All right, cool. Uh, right, let's move on then. So, uh, questions. You say we got questions. We do indeed. Uh, Thomas DJ at Nocturne DJ. Uh, if Buster Rhymes had replaced Liam Neeson in Taken 3, would it have been a better film? If Oscar Isaac? If Buster Rhymes. Oh, if Buster Rhymes? <laughs> yes. Yeah, all the exact same dialogue, absolutely the same, just Buster Rhymes, yes. Yes. Yes, uh, absolutely, I, I completely agree. Uh, but but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have told Buster Rhymes that it was a film, and I told him everything was real. Yeah, that's, yes, 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 and, yes, and, yes. And when he says, why is my daughter white, we go, well, I don't know, Buster, you need to find out. Yeah. That's part of the film. <laughs> yes. Um, the Ginger Prince at TGP73. Uh, which actor is your spirit animal? Um, you see, I- I'd really like to go for somebody fucking really cool like Paul Newman. But the reality of it is, it's probably somebody like Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> In like the third Police Academy movie or something like that. <laughs> That's a good shout, that. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of zaniness. Or, I don't know, um... Ah, oh, um... Yeah, I'm trying to think... Oh, maybe even Terry Kaiser uh, in Weekend at Bernie's. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to go for that. Terry Kaiser in Weekend at Bernie's. I'm going to go with, um... No. I'm not going to say that. Um... <laughs> Shelley Duvall and The Shining. <laughs> That's a fucking terrifying spirit animal. Fuck, I don't know. Um... 
Christ. <laughs> oh, God, that must be fucking horrible if that was your spirit animal. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. That stops me. T- people tell me who my spirit animal is. Yes, tell me who his spirit animal is. Um, Tom, at Very Cinematic... Uh, for the first year in Sundance history, there are no films projecting from 35mm prints. Are you bothered? Nope. Um, I go to Sundance. Pardon? I don't go to Sundance. Why the fuck would I care? They could screen it on a toilet seat for all I give a shit. Uh, I'm not bothered that they're not showing it in Sundance. Uh, I'd be very bothered. Um, I, 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 it bothers me that uh, 35mm is becoming almost not a thing in cinemas, essentially. Oh, mate, I, I just... I used to be bothered by it, but then I was biased because it was my fucking job. Me, now, do not give a fuck. I just... I'm, I'm I'm more bothered about the fact it, it, that um, the, the decline in, in director shooting on film. That that bothers me I'm, more. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not. I, I like it. Just if if directors want to shoot on film, awesome, and I hope they have the capacity to. But if people are okay with digital, then why the fuck not? Oh no, I, I, I do think there's absolutely there's that I'm not saying that, that digital is terrible or anything like that. As a personal preference, I personally think that film looks nicer. I just do. I do think you get more of a depth and more of a colour with film than you do with digital. That that's just my personal preference. I like the way it look. I like the way it looks better. And, you know, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy digital or digital looks like shit. It doesn't. Most of the time, it looks, you know, in, in the hands of a good director, it looks gorgeous. But I do get that little bit of a, ooh, when I know I'm watching something that's been shot on film. Yeah, I don't know. It just... I, 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 I care less and less. <laughs> I, I know that sounds really bad, but I'm, I'm just finding myself getting disengaged from, from all this type of talk. I'm, you know, I, I just, I, I, I really don't care anymore. It's more just the, the people can do what they, they want. They can shoot what they want. You know, I think some digital films look as good as celluloid. I know that's, criminal to some people but watch Skyfall don't tell me that doesn't look as good as any fucking film shot on 35mm I mean, it just it is what it is it would be an interesting point of comparison to see how Spectre compares because that's being shot on film yeah uh, even though, I mean it's a different cinematographer different but cinematographer. that was interesting mm. it, it is it's one of the I mean, yeah Skyfall does look very nice and it's in the hands of of a master cinematographer in in Deakins, so you know there is that. And I'm not saying that all film, you know, that that in film shot by a, a, a half decent um, cinematographer will look better than anything shot by anyone on digital. Not that's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I I really do like that some directors still will use will use film. I like the fact that Tarantino is sticking by film. I like the fact that Nolan's sticking by film. Um, Spielberg, to an extent, you know, I, I like the fact that there are still filmmakers out there because I just like that richness that it brings that I, that I think that often digital, for me, just doesn't have. I might be talking bollocks, but for me, that is that that is just how I see it. 
No, I'd agree. I mean, I, I would agree with that. You look at some of the earlier digitally shot films, um, and they, it, it just doesn't compare. Like, Superman Returns looks insanely bad when when you watch that now. It's murky, it's dark, it looks like hammered shit. Uh, episode, uh, episode, Star Wars Episode 2 looks terrible. Mm, that looks yeah. awful. Yeah, so, but, I mean, you, you look at... Wasn't that the digit- first one to be shot completely digitally, though? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, fair enough. But, I'm like I say, Super, Superman Returns looks like shit. But then you 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 go up, and it just... I, I, I think the quality of the cameras they're making now, like, it's not a difference of you can't tell. I mean, like, you probably could tell because there's, like, there's no grain. Um, but at the same time, I'm fine with it. I mean, like, the girl with the dragon tattoo looks fucking amazing. Oh, it does. Uh, beautiful. Yeah, exactly. You know, Skyfall looks great. I, if, if Tarantino's next film was to be digitally shot, and it won't be, but if it was, I think that would look pretty much as good as if it was shot on 35mm. I agree there is a a warmth to the image, and, you know, I think part of that is is the grain, but I also wonder if maybe that's just because we've been indoctrined by the fact that we our big screen early memories were of these grainy film uh, prints. It's like why why people have nostalgia for uh, cigarette burns and scratches and stuff like that. You know, I, I absolutely think that that absolutely um, could be it. Absolutely, um, yes, but. You know, nostalgia and those, those feelings and those little, those, 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 those scents and those, those, you know, those kind of feels for things are, you know, they, they affect our sensory impulses when we're watching stuff and stuff like that. And it, it, it helps maybe, you know, heighten those emotions. I mean, or, or, you know, the, the, the thing is, I mean, like, fuck, I already feel like I'm getting too old for this world. 3D printing blows my mind. I'm still not entirely sure it's not voodoo. <laughs> just, just, I, I, like, it, it's getting to the place where, like, 60 years down the line, you know, Lottie's probably going to be fucking married to a sentient vacuum cleaner. You know, it, it's... I, I, I just... I, 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 I care less every day about like the, uh, about the, 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 this, this kind of legacy thing the world fucking moves on and you either try and move on with it and just ex- and, and I'm not even ex- saying you're accepting it's a lesser quality digital digitally shot film looks fucking fine it look it lo- I mean it looks oh, yeah. it looks it looks a lot of it looks as good as 35 millimeter and as people get more skilled with it as that and as the tech keeps on improving because that's one thing about 35 millimeter you can't improve it no. you know there's there's nothing in the in, in the camera standards or the processing standards that can be improved it's photochemical it is what it is yeah, it is what it is Technology all like is improving all the fucking time. These films are going to look better and better and better and better. And I kind of agree what, with what Mike Lee said recently when he said that he thought Quentin Tarantino's stuff about celluloid was bollocks. I, you know, that- I didn't agree with, with what he was saying it, 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 because it, it, if Tarantino wants to do that, let him. What the fuck does it bother Mike Lee? Don't get me wrong. 
Don't get me wrong. Let him. It's, do, do, it's... Do, you know, do you know why, Mike? Do you, know, do you know what the problem is? Do you know why your films don't get played to a wide audience? It's because people are bored of you doing the same fucking films. Mr. Turner was solid, man. And not not seen Mr. It. Turner, not seen, not seen it, but the past three or four Mike Lee films have bored the living fuck out of me. Do you know what? Mr. Turner got nominated for Best Cinematography. It looks great. People can say what they want about Mr. Turner and it's not perfect. It looks really, really, really good and it was shot digitally. Yeah, it, it, it just, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with Tarantino doing that, but I think to attack others for not... Oh, yeah, Tarantino, Tarantino's is guilty the other way around, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that's wrong as well. It just, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to watch stuff in 70mm IMAX and whatnot. I mean, fuck, fuck knows it makes better-looking Blu-rays. The Master on Blu-ray, shot on 70mm, it's probably the best-looking Blu-ray I own. You know, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pumped Nolan's, to see what Nolan's explanation like. of it was best. I shoot on film because I want to shoot on film. If other people want to shoot on digital, they can shoot on digital. If they stop making film, then I'll then I'll shoot on digital because that's the way that things will move. The same as if I have to make a film in 3D in the future, I will, if that's the way that the industry goes. There we go. I mean, I, I, I'm going to need to wrap it up on my end soon, but what, what, I, I, mean, what I would, would say is, you know, Good, good on him for that point of view, and I think the the one argument, I mean, that Keanu Reeves fronted documentary side by side it's is brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, a great watching. Um, but the one thing I would say is the fact that you know, thirty five millimeter is a yeah, yes, it can decay, but it's not a standard that changes. Whereas, like the the standards for um, film preservation digitally is changing, and hard drives don't last as long as prints. You know, so I think from a legacy point of view, there's absolutely a an argument for 35 millimeter for shooting on 35 millimeter. There is an argument, but I think for people to be militant about it are just are, are being narrow-minded. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, we do have one quick other question. Uh, Ghostbusters three news discuss. Uh, I'll go give my point very quickly. Uh, oh, by the way, that was um, from uh, Chris Ward at Horace Smith. Um, I have no problem with an all female cast. I don't see why it needs to be an all female cast. I don't see why it needs to be an all male cast. Why can't it just be a cast? Um, I'm not a fan of the people they've chosen, to be honest. That's just a personal preference. Um, do I give a fuck they're making a third Ghostbusters movie? No. Um, I, you know, the, the preciousness about this property is ridiculous. It wasn't just two movies. It was two movies, a shitload of toys, a shitty cartoon, and all of these things. You know, there isn't the legacy of the one movie that they're going to destroy. Ghostbusters has been a generational thing and has come across in different media for years. They did a shitty game five years ago, and nobody was fucking up in arms about that. Also, me saying that I don't like that female cast, or I don't like the idea of it happening to be an all-female cast, isn't me not being a feminist or being anti-feminist, it's just me not liking Melissa McCarthy, because I know at some point she's going to make a joke about her, how great she looks in the suit or how fat she looks in the suit. That's it. That's my feeling on it. Fair enough. I, I, I'm fine with it. I like Paul Feig. I like what he does. Sorry. Um, I, you know, I, 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 it's 
a more interesting road to go down than just having fucking as much as I like him, Seth Rogen and James Franco and Craig Robertson and Jonah Hill being the new Ghostbusters or something like that. I do like them. It just, you know, that would be an idea that would be a little bit, oh, come on now. I'm intrigued to see what comes of it, and I don't really have a particular problem uh, with, with that at all. Uh, I'm very, very up as well if it is going to be Peter Dinklage playing a, a, a psychotic mass murderer who comes back from the grave, as the Sony um, email link said. Uh, um, yeah, I'm... I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. That is it. That was our last question. Nice. Uh, Okay, so, um, right, coming up on the show next week, we're going to be doing a double review. We're going to be taking on Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice and also the new uh, Disney film Big Hero 6, which comes out in UK cinemas this weekend. Uh, Like I say, we're going to be skipping Fitzcarraldo, but um, we'll be, uh, I think we'll be tying Fitzcarraldo with uh, a a review of Jupiter Ascending the week after. So, uh, you ready for some batshit Wachowski? (laughs) Yes, uh, I've actually seen quite a few posters for uh, Jupiter Ascending around, to be honest. Yeah, it, I don't know. I think it could, it could really be terrible. It looks uh, terrible. So, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's going to be something anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the next couple of weeks. So, uh, next week, it's uh, fi- uh, not Fitzcarraldo. Um, uh, what we watched, uh, Big Hero 6 and Inherent Vice, and I've really got to go. So, uh, that's it from me, and thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye.